So welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Forever Broken Podcast, where we ask the big questions, like if Donald Duck's always naked, why in the hell does he wrap a towel around his waist when he gets out of the shower? And I am Derek Thompson, with me as always is TJ Davidson, and with us today, our very special guest, Big Shoots, Doc Medley. So appreciate you guys. All right, so I'll uh, we'll go ahead. We'll let uh, Doc. We'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, you can give us how, as much or as little as you want, man. Uh, yeah. So my name's Justin. Justin Mudley. Um, good friends with TJ. I know TJ from Camp Lejeune. Spent a, spent a lot of time together. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of thirty racks went through. A lot of good times. Uh, a lot of good times. A lot of good times. Uh, I'm from Tennessee originally. Uh, I joined the Navy as a corpsman. Ended up 2nd Marine Division. Liked that shit. Didn't want to leave it. I uh, did a couple combat tours to Afghanistan with Marine Infantry units. and You know, that kind of shaped me into who I became. All fucked up and broken and weird. But that's why me and, me and old Pepper are friends. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I... I've, if you name it, I was that guy, especially in the military. Like whether it was getting divorced, getting in JP'd, you know, just Jody got my girl every fucking time. You know. <laughs> hey, you and me uh, both, brother. You and me both. The 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 shoes have have unfortunately been on other feet too. So I've been a scumbag too. So, but you know, uh, just anything you can think of, I, I, I've done it. Like the first. The first party I went to with TJ up in Havelock, him and my what was gonna what, what ended up being my cousin-in-law, one was playing the guitar and TJ was singing, and they knew this just a little bit about my life. I just came home from from Marja. I did a, a I was part of like the, the fourth wave of the invasion of Marja, and th- my wife left me. This big sad shit, and he just off the top of his head starts singing this country ass song about. How my wife left me and I have nothing. Took all my fucking money. It was banging some dude that cut grass. Like it was. I was like, if you weren't so fucking big, like I beat the shit out of you. Yeah, if you weren't such a big redneck, I would. Uh, yeah. I would fight. I'd throw hands Sass with you. Sasquatch. Sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> that was a good time. Oh Lord. Yeah, I look forward to this episode just because I get to hear all you guys' stories. And uh, that should be a blast and a hoot and anything for me. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, dive right on in, man. Oh, That's hell. TJ with his favorite. Do what? Oh, hell. What's TJ's favorite yeah. what? Oh, you can ask TJ what his favorite doc story is, and I'll give you, T- I'll give you my favorite TJ story. All right. Well, that's, well, that's a good plan. I like that. What TJ, let's yeah. hear it. Jesus. All right, there, there's a – fuck, there's a lot of those. Um, probably whenever we uh, got kicked out of the fucking yacht club in Swansboro, North Carolina. And uh, – Just redneck yacht <laughs> these dudes, they These dudes followed us into the parking lot trying to fight us or whatever, and so – bunch of shit happened blah blah and then these guys ended up dude leaving chases me don't forget dude chases me around this parking lot with a fucking framing hammer <laughs> oh yeah i did forget about that yeah he chased me with a fucking hammer <laughs> so then they they get in their truck and they haul ass out of there <clears throat> so doc chases them down like on foot 
wearing goddamn flip-flops. Like, he runs out of his flip-flops. And he, like, jumps on the fucking bed of this truck grabbing the tailgate or whatever. And then ends up having to, like, bail off and roll down the fucking ditch for a little bit. Those are called, what, chongas? Yeah, well, I figured I was, like, I was, like. Chunklas? Yeah. Chunklas, yeah. I I ran up on my flip-flops and I jumped on the tailgate. And I was, like, what the fuck am I doing? What am I going to do when we get to where we're going? Yeah, just him and, like, these fucking eight dudes. Get get my ass yeah. kicked with no shoes on. I like no. that you're getting chased <laughs> by a guy with a you're getting chased by a guy with a hammer. You got flip flops. So well, fucking oh TJ comes out. TJ comes out in this big steroided up fucking bouncer. He was a fucking I I call him an extra for second recon. He was you know he was a calm guy for second for second recon, and he thought he was this big fucking this badass motherfucker, but he was clearly on a shit ton of steroids. He had pimples and shit all over him. Looking like John Cena. Giveaway. If he you guys fucking, haven't, he he grabbed TJ. If he you guys haven't TJ, figured TJ out, this is gonna be an uh, expletive yeah. uh, episode. Uh, oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Anytime you have me around, <laughs> like I'm, I'm not suitable for children so, of all ages. So you know, yeah, be, this won't be suitable for all ages. But we are, go- we do have some serious stuff to talk about tonight as well. So while yeah, we're finishing we'll this story, it. I just wanted it to be known <laughs> that there is serious stuff coming. Uh, so, TJ. TJ snatches this dude up and slams him against the wall, and he's all like, listen here, I don't go around paying peekaboo and touching you and shit. Leave me the fuck alone. Don't grab me. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he took his shirt off as soon as he saw that dude chasing me around with that damn hammer. And TJ took his shirt off, and I'm running through this gravel parking lot, and I look over, and I'm thinking, I said out loud, I go, oh, shit, y'all all fucked. T- Pepper done took his shirt off. He's going full retard on you now. And he come through there just like a fucking tornado, just started snatching dudes up, bouncing them off cars. <laughs> you would. <laughs> All I had to do was be fast enough to <laughs> just swing him around. <laughs> He's gonna catch him on around on turn three any fucking ways. <laughs> I feel like this is incidentally your favorite uh, Peppa uh, story as well. Jeez. Oh no, I've got uh, probably the first night we ever really like hung out. We uh, we stayed up all night till like six in the morning. We we're in Havelock. And there was this golf course <laughs> behind the house. It's a Depp's house, and by the Pepper, way. Depp's oh, house. God. And, and so Pepper was like, well, you're the only one awake, Doc. He goes, and um, I'm not drinking all this beer by myself. And I was like, well, you're off to a good start. You know, <laughs> you've almost got her licked, buddy. <laughs> Keep going. And I had a, I had just bought like a Malibu, like one of the nicer new Malibus, like two-tone leather and all that shit, super nice. And he goes, Let's 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 take a trip down this down this road. <laughs> and we go down the road and he's like, you know, hanging out. He's thinking about jumping in this person's pool and I'm like, nah, better not. <laughs> and then we see the drive, like the, the road to the golf cart lane to this fucking golf course. God. And he goes, Hang a hard right, Doc. And I fucking I said, Fuck it. Slapped that bitch down in sport mode and away we went down the golf cart lane doing like seventy five <laughs> mile an hour. And he's chucking full beers at grown men. Uh, heads up, four! You just <laughs> hollered shit out. Like, I figured they I mean, wanted I'm the beer, hugging, you know? I'm hugging these curves. Wop, wop, hanging off it. <laughs> Throwing, people are jumping out of the way. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Sorry, yeah, Deb. You know, I don't <laughs> think that I would complain, I guess, if I'm on a golf course and I see a Malibu, Chevy Malibu, driving down going 70. <laughs> And I get a beer chucked at me. I don't know that I'm going to complain. I think I'm going to pick it up and be like, well, that was an odd event. 
Yeah, because well, you're a patriot. Well, then, yeah, then just <laughs> right? continue about what you're, you're red blooded American. <laughs> you know, just keep keep yeah. doing what you're doing. So, so anyways, wedge or the nine iron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> goodness. So, anyways, uh, we you, we've explained that you're you're doc, but for everyone that doesn't really know, how about you explain? I guess a little bit about what that meant, what that was for you, and. Uh, so how you, yeah, how important it is, I guess, you know, like for us, it's a big thing to call somebody Doc, you know. It's a title it's earned for sure. Um, I spent all my time. So I was a Navy corpsman. Um, so the Marine Corps doesn't have their own medical units, so they take Navy corpsmen and medical officers, and they integrate them into the Marine Corps. So you have to go through Marine Corps schools to walk, talk, fight, be like a Marine. And um, you just have to kind of blend in and assimilate. So you do everything the Marines do. Um, I got stuck. I didn't say it stuck. Uh, I got the actual honor to go with a victory unit, a line company. I was with the Grunts. Right. And uh, I was a 3-9. And, you know, it's a different world, man. The Grunts, the lines, it's a different world. Well, uh, completely sure different. But, you know, I, I did everything they did. So we PT'd together. We ate together. We trained together. You know, I had the privilege of being on a, over the over the years being on different teams, embedded training teams, training the Afghan National Army, doing partner patrols with them and stuff, um, getting fapped out to like Motor T or spent some time with EOD and route clearance and stuff. And so, you know, I've been all over the all over the place, line companies and you know, worked with a lot of different. So where all do you where all do you end up? Um, so I did back to back deployments to Afghanistan. Um, I was in Marja, I was all over Sangin Valley, Treknawa, um, Kajaki, uh, spent some time with the Brits up in Lashkar Gaw for a little while, so, so I yeah, worked you with the Jordanians, the Georgians, yeah, oh yeah, no, like, and, like, my first pump, like, I walked everywhere, but I was in a truck too, you know, doing QRF and, and motor T work and stuff, and, you know, I got, you know, I got my little circom for, Everything that I did, it, it 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 blew me away. The amount of miles that I actually drove in a ten month time frame with IED laced roads it was like thirteen thirteen thousand six hundred six miles. So That's like that itself, wild. I was like, all right, well, yeah, just just that alone, you know. And I got to the, there's a downside to that though. It's like when it, when it came time for me to do my job, I was the only guy that knew how to do my job. Usually at that time, wherever we were at. So if we were in a tick right. or a major firefight or something or we hit an IED, you know, there's always that fear of secondaries. And when you push up, you know, you got to be you got to be careful. You, you're, you're praying for for green smoke or a green star cluster to come out of that turret, you know, so that you can take your time getting up to them. But when you see red or you don't see anything at all, it's like it, it really sucks. It's, you, you, your mind starts wondering, like, am I going to open that door to a bunch of, you know, dead yeah, guys or, or what? You don't you know, know what you're like you got to get in the zone. And so, like, you know, you, you cordon off and you push up to your 5s and 25s, try to get your vehicles in as close as you can so you can have crew serve support. Um, and you just kind of get in there and start working. And, you know, a lot of times it's just like, uh, you know, you do your MACE exam, they got concussions real bad. But sometimes, you know, the gunner gets thrown out. His, his turret stand gets ripped out or his harness breaks and him and the turret go and it lands on him and you have to hopefully not keep getting ambushed at the time you have to set off a perimeter and go try to go get him. 
and then getting a bird on the ground after right. that. Just, just a lot that goes into it. You know, that's on a bad day, but. Yeah, know, and I think that's something had, that had people just don't many of necessarily those think of, you know, is all the stuff that goes into everything yeah, you do. I mean, there's just. <clears throat> oh, a yeah, ton I mean, and you got to. You know, you got you're 18, 19 year old. I was, I was, I turned 19 on my, uh, well, I turned 20 on my first deployment, and, you know, I'm a 20 year old kid, 19 year old kid doing, cricothiotomies and chest tubes in the dark, under fire. You know, like it's a lot. I got to work out of this bag, that's not always getting resupplied. So you have to pick and choose what you use, and then you have your humanitarian portion of things. I had to treat the Afghan like, local nationals, like they'd bring their kids right. in when their kids would get sick and they couldn't explain it or whatever. And then you'd have these, like the Taliban would, you know, kidnap these people's family and be like, you're going to do this. So they would throw boiling hot water on these, like, 18-month-old kids, 3-year-old kids, and they would bring them into the base to be treated. But while they're inside, they're taking they're taking account of how many paces it is from the e- how many paces it is from the ECP to the fuel farm or how many paces it is from the ECP to the to the, the birthing areas, you know, they're paying attention, they're watching. And it was no coincidence that every every time they would leave after I'm having to debride all the dead skin off this baby and then wrap them in silvadine and, 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 and gauze, and you're just like, hope you bring him back tomorrow so he doesn't die of infection. But 45 minutes after they left, they'd be arcing RPGs in, just walking them in, you know, or they'd right. open up with, like, the, uh, you know, 80-millimeter mortars, so... Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that yeah. they are just terrible people, they weren't stupid. You know, they they knew what they were doing. They did everything with no. a reason, and and they were using their own little system of intelligence to figure us out. You know. Oh, for sure. Well, they knew we we have rules, and our hands are tied behind our backs, and we 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 have to fight by a set parameters, and they don't. Yeah. They pop up, do what they need to do, and they bounce out. I mean, it's the guerrilla warfare tactics, you know. It's how we won the country. So. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to it's hard to be judgmental, you know. And, right. Uh, and then we and sit there and we know that they they beat everyone that's coming to that country. Well, I say it all the time, man. Like, a lot, I give them props. You have to respect your enemy to a certain degree. Oh, you know, yeah, for sure. Uh, their ingenuity. For one, they got no running water in most places, no electricity in most places, but they got Toyota Camrys and cell phones. Hell and yeah. they're making pressure plates out of fucking used batteries, angel hair wire, and, and, and the springs from ink pens. Yeah. Cardboard. Exactly. Like, you, you, know what, you know what our big solve was to save lives from the IEDs, from the vehicle-mounted IEDs? Was, was the mine roller, right? Yeah. Yeah. They rolled out the mine roller. They spent billions and billions of dollars on these mine rollers. These, these the almost impossible things to drive. It's like, it's like putting a... It's like putting a, a 15-foot trailer on the front of your truck and driving it like you're backing it. It's right. <laughs> which you're going forward. Yeah, I drove Everything that the opposite direction. I was going to say, I believe TJ had to drive but that, the, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you cut... They j- say like this, they drop the uh, they drop the mine rollers into into operations on a Tuesday. By Friday, the Taliban's big fix, you know what You know what they did? They spent $1.50 extra on 14 and a half foot more of fucking angel hair. Yeah, they, they put the pressure plate in front of... They displaced the pressure plate and the, and the charge. Yeah. yeah. yeah 14 I'm, and a half feet back. I'm, put it right underneath the truck. I'm well aware of that. <laughs> yeah. But that was I a mean, magnet. I, I got just, to a point where people didn't want to ride a truck with me no more. 
it's just crazy to me, man. Like, people don't think about this stuff. They don't understand it. They don't see it. And then when we come back, they're trying to figure out, you know, well, it was probably pretty simple. We were, we're so much smarter than they are, right? It's like, nah, well, man. Our shit's way better or this and that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah we, dog have, don't hunt. we have nice stuff, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter when all it takes is a dollar fifty to outsmart us, you know. And there's it's not cost shit we can man. do, do you, like, No. And I, I, I don't agree fully with our ROEs. You know, like, first of all, first and foremost, like, this is the Marine Corps you're talking about. You know, you you tied, I mean, you think about it, they tied our hands behind our back. Yeah, we're, I'm we're not going to pretend like I with, agreed with any with of tenacity. our ROEs. You know, I had to, you had to shoot at me. I had to gain visual, like, visual identification of you and the weapon. Mm-hmm. And then I had to make sure that you were firing at me. Fuck yeah. all that. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, like, we we absolutely opinion. hosed ourselves when it came to ROEs. This is a war zone. Let me let us do what we do. Yeah, let loose the dogs of war. I you mean, know? if you're going to sit there, and that was a lot of where we screwed up from the get-go anyway, is that we went into this and we didn't have a actual objective. There was no objective to what our end goal was. It was just like, go kill bad guys, but do it with the people at your heart, you know? And it's like, what? So go the, into combat the, the, and do atrocious things, but do it with honor and be a gentleman about it? Yeah. The real it's issue like, it just didn't make <laughs> was sense, that you know? we, were, we were trying to win the hearts and minds instead of putting bullets through them. Yeah. yeah. The, the way I mean, the war it, was, we should have gone in with small war tactics. We should have just put special forces and use them to take out high-level targets. And instead of... Because no, we never actually dictated a reason to go in with, you know, full uniform combat. We never did that. We never had an yeah. objective. We just went in and screwed the whole thing up because we were trying to take out small targets or big targets. Oh, we didn't. With, we didn't. Well, yeah, no. The you know what I mean. The Somebody that made more money than the me government. That, the government yeah. and a bunch of civilians sat there and said, uh, "Hey, we want you guys to do this, but we don't want you to do it uh, the correct way." And you know the fact that there was no actual mission just kind of screwed us i mean if we're not going to sit there and make well when you have the terminology and the lingo of things such as acceptable collateral damage and you have a left and right lateral limits you have a minimum and a maximum casualties that you can ensue well plan better and then come in with the air phase and then right. you know come in with the heavy heavy ar- armor phase like there's no there's no sense in not doing that yeah and i mean the way you we know did that's how mistakes happen like like Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I, you would think that they would have learned from, like, what happened in the Marines in Haditha. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Al-Nasriya. Uh, you know, uh, the Army was supposed to push through Haditha with armor and soften everything so the, the Marine Light Infantry could come in and clean up the clean up house. Well, they, they completely re-navigated around the city. Right. And went north well, and back times? And it was like... How many times did fuck? we do that overall anyway? I mean, we did that We got the short end of the stick. We did that going into Fallujah. We did it. We we've just continuously done it. Where we sit there, we get halfway through, we're completing and successfully completing our mission, 
And then we've got some bigwig back in the White House or back at the Pentagon sitting there going, ah, hold on, guys, hold on, hold on. Uh, the Taliban. I'm trying to get that. Uh, I'm trying to get that extra star. Yeah, hold on. They uh, said, uh, wait, <clears throat> hold on. Did you say? Did you say I could get fifty percent off? Hold on, guys. Hold on. I've got to take care of this. Uh, I've got a business meeting. I can get fifty percent off my uh, shed if I uh, do this. And they're just fucking off and dicking off and doing nothing, while we've got, you know, generals and we've got these guys on the ground actually trying to do the job and they know well, what's I mean, on the at, at risk. So, I mean, the plan was all right at first, you know, when they broke everything up into Kandax and, you know, each, each AO region district region was controlled by its own regiment. And, you know, there, there was nothing wrong with that thought process ideology. It just, when you, when you switch out every 10 to 11 months, like, yeah. But they got the pissed next on because the big wigs back here. Decisions. Yeah, there's no consistency in the decision. There's too mu- there's too many and political ideologies that got put into play, and there was not a general, consistent plan, and you can't do that. Which is why, from the get go, no, there need to be, hey, this is what we're doing. We're going in with uniformed troops. This is the mission. I don't care how it gets done. Get it done. Yeah, it just needs to get done. Well, I mean, this you know what they called that invasion in Amarja, man. They called it D-Day in Afghanistan. And it even it a year after that after that incursion happened, it was still going on. Yeah, because we were there the it just, first... It was a lot. We, yeah, we were there for Marja, or I was the first time, I think, because that was my first deployment. And then TJ, yeah, I don't, I don't think you were there. You were there my second deployment. So... Uh, but yeah, we were there for Marja. Yeah, I mean, I was. And it, it used to, I, some of those things didn't like make sense to me because they would have, they would have one detachment of a company, from like a like like two three, some like third third Marines or first Marines, and they would just have their own patrol base in their own just area, and they're the only ones out there. And you got other, you know, command and control elements from other battalions having to fill in for them and take them supplies and do this that, and the other and that's what happened out at pb moose they got overran right and they surrendered pb moose and then we we got sent out to pb moose to escort a bunch of engineers and guys out there to break all that shit down and that place was loaded with ieds like it was yeah. like they should have never gave up the house why would you give it you have air superiority why would you give up the house you shouldn't but like that never none of that stuff ever made sense to me but you know, it was, a, it was a failure to plan and to execute just because of political bullshit. I mean, there's at the end of the day, the politics are the only reason that we come out of this as bad as we did. I mean, th- that's it. Well, you know, and, and even sucks. on extraction, man, they we lost eleven Marines, a, a fucking Navy Corpsman, and Army. What was it Green Beret? Yeah. Or a soft sock operator, whatever. I don't remember what he was. Yeah. Like, that's unacceptable. And it's all because of piss poor And the way we left the interpreters and, and everybody. Yeah, we just said, fuck well, all these people for helping I us. lay the blame of that at somebody else's feet. Yeah. I'll blame yeah. that on uh, fuck Biden, uh, as uh, somebody said before the 
podcast uh, officially started. I said I Joe Biden yeah, to I mean, you. I didn't say fuck him. You might have. Not not that I'm disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that that's not what I said. Oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. Sorry, my bad. But uh, no. So you had all this stuff go on. Uh, you went through ten times more than what anybody normally would. So this leads us down our mental health aspect of this podcast, right? So you come back and you have to readjust and you have to deal with all this. How does that process look for you? What start? How did it start and where did it take you? It was like driving a car on cinder blocks, you know? Like, it didn't. I, I, I came home and I was a mess. And I tried to tell somebody, I tried to go to Division Psych and talk to them about it. And they were like, oh, no, you just got a little, it's just a little shell shot, a little, you know, combat stress. It'll wear off. You'll be fine. You can go back. You can resume training. You don't need to, you know, have no limitations. I was like, all right. Well, I mean, I wasn't looking for limitations, but I was looking for you to make some sense of some stuff. You know, these emotions that I, I, I'm having a hard time regulating, these feelings that come over, these impulses. And a good buddy of mine, a corpsman, uh, Aaron Olam, he got killed and um, singing. And so uh, by the time I got out there, because the, I had just got a DUI. I got a DUI on base at the 172 gate by the heat trainer on a Wednesday at 7 o'clock. I blew a .03. I had two beers. But I was oh boy. I was 20. Yeah. On base has zero tolerance anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a Wednesday. It's 7 o'clock at the back gate. Come on, man. Yeah. But. You'll have that. So, I, you know, I ended up I ended up um, leaving again. I was only home for, like, 53 days. So, I came from Marja, and then I went straight into Kajaki and all over Sangin and Sangin Valley and into Treknala and all up and down Route Red, 16 and all that. So. Were you ever – did you ever go to um – Olette or Edinburgh, the Fobs. I went to Fob Eddie. I was at Fob Eddie. <clears throat> so is that is that the one that had the shark's tooth? Do you remember? I don't remember. I I was I went at night. Okay, so you um, so you weren't there very long then. And you no, know, I con I convoyed in, and I had some uh, resupply stuff from Shock Trauma Platoon there. Yeah. That that just got thrown on my truck, so I was like, "Are you? We'll drop it off." So. Okay. Yeah, I was out there. Cause uh, they like hit, they hit like a consecutive like three or four days of red air. Yeah, was fucking them off. So they they like they were only running like medevacs. Yep, yep. From their flight line. Yeah, because I I played uh, combat lifesaver for like three months or whatever, but I was out there at uh, Olette and Edinburgh. Yeah, I forgot you told me about that. You were with the shock trauma platoon, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, they they do some intense. They get good work, man. That's like if you can't get to a major next echelon portion of care like Camp Dwyer or Leatherneck with the guy Camp Bastion like if you go to a shock trial platoon like your chances to survive increase significantly yeah from from what I did on the ground what I did on the ground was to, to stabilize you in your current condition where you're at for a short amount of time and to get you to your next echelon of care right I just save your life there and then but the clock doesn't stop like I gotta get you off the ground and in the air as soon as possible yep cause within a few hours I mean a lot of these, like, DFC, like, deck mental frag charters and stuff they put in the walls and stuff, 
They dip these ball bearings and jacks and nails and animal feces. They <coughs> pee on it. They do all kinds of stuff. And it causes intense infection. And you got to get you got to get them out uh, as quick as possible so sepsis doesn't set in. Yeah, the only yeah, thing so like my main job was IV just treatment. to yeah, my main job there was to pretty much like being like the corpsman's bodyguard for one, and then like so he can focus on working on uh, you know casualties and shit like that, and then um, just keeping people alive long enough to get them back to a hospital, you know. Yeah, it's intense. It's intense. Like my my portion of things usually always stopped. Unless I had to sit on somebody for a long time, as soon as I put them on the bird, I had to get back into it. I had other Marines I had to worry about at this point. This guy's good now. Right. He's, he is in he is in Pedro's hands, or he's in Dustoff's hands, and they're taking him wherever he needs to go. Yep. And I got I to gotta worry about this over here. And, you know, it, it's an experience and a half, but I, mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But back to the mental health stuff, you know, I, I struggled for a long time. I mean, and you were there. You saw a lot of it, man. Yeah. You saw me. Like, you know, I, I just, I fell. When I fell, I fell real hard. And, you know, I was in and out I, in and out of psych ward and stuff and just couldn't keep relationships lasting. They were, you know, they didn't have any substance to them. And well, nothing meant it was anything. Just, you know, it was tough. No, it was numb, man. I just wanted to go back. That's all I wanted to do. You know, it's that mentality, like that, 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 that savagery, that, that if I can't eat it, kill it, light it on fire, fuck it, I don't want it. Yep. And, so how do you, you know, combat the, that? Well, I mean, I got to the point you know, more recently than not that I was like, I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of, you know, f- failing in marriages and failing in life and everything else. And I really got serious about what I wanted from myself. You know, I had an incident with my ex-wife and, uh, you know, I caught her, you know, cheating on me, doing some other stuff. and. I went to leave, and she jumped on the back of my truck as I was leaving and fell. She fell off the thing. If I didn't have it on video, I'd be looking at 20 years in prison because she wouldn't right. tell the truth. But I had it on home surveillance. And they tried to make me out to be like I was just this. Like, you throw PTSD in the mix, and you got a pretty young girl that gets hurt, it's automatically my fault. I automatically beat the fuck out of her, or I used the truck as a weapon, or I did this, that, and the other. And that wasn't even the case. And the cops got caught lying on the body cam footage I got caught lying on the police statements like my ex-wife's story changed like five times on paper and then her, it was different from her deposition and like they just kept coming at me like I was this target this the stigma around PTSD like I saw it again and I was just like you know I can't I can't continue on this path I got to do something different because if I don't like my life's not going to get any better right. and I got closer to God when I was because I did some time in jail over that till they let me out and the charges got dropped but you know I, I mean that helped you know my the spiritual my spiritualism and my spirituality that that helped a little bit but it it was the steps i had to take like i had to go in to mental health and i had to start that process and uh i decided to stay away from the meds this time and try to do this like traditionally with some real therapy get down and dirty with it and um i'm not saying that people shouldn't take meds or anything but you know, I, I had tried to kill myself previously and all that, and um, I knew that's not what I wanted to do. I just wanted to feel something different. So, not to speak, I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't want to be around anymore. And I reached a certain point, and, you know, I ended up calling my nurse from the Semper Fi phone, and she was with me, and, like, within 12 hours, and she just got things rolling. Like, they, they care about their patients. 
they know that's awesome. how significant it is so, to us. Like, so what is the Simper Five Fund? Can you explain that a little bit? Well, they're the they're the Simper Five Fund or America's Fund. Um, they started out um, right next to the Navy and Marine Corps Relief Society. They took some. They so they took the nursing program from the Navy and Marine Corps Relief Society. Yep. Um, because the Navy and Marine Corps Relief Society couldn't fund it anymore, so they took it on, um, and. They take care of things for you, man. They do. She handles all my administrative stuff or my medical stuff. Like when the VA tried to drop me from 100 to 90 because I missed an appointment, like she set it up through the DAV to have it appealed and <coughs> pretty much stop them in their tracks before they could, you know, damage my my income. Because finding a job and keeping one was super hard for me, man. With the, I grew all these you know, issues with authority and 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 my patience was real thin and it was just bad. I wasn't in the mindset to, to work or do anything. Um, yeah, I can. I <laughs> just depressed all the time. Anxiety, having paranoia, my hypervigilance was creeping up on me all the time. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't like trust that. anybody. I wasn't optimistic for the future or anything. And, you know, I recently went to this program called Focus Marines Foundation. I had an opportunity to go there. Um, and it's primarily Marines and corpsmen that are allowed to go there. Uh, but they keep a 10% slot open for other branches. Um you just have to apply, but it's it it changed my life, man. Um, they go over a lot of different things that help your that help you to grow and to, and to get over some of your traumas. Um, but it's not all just like work, you know. You're in there, you're building camaraderie, you're you're there with other service members, other veterans, and whose lives are in a similar position. Got a lot right. of good guest speakers that come in. A lot of like a, a lot of notable people that care, um, and. You know, their board of directors over there is a phenomenal and a stacked group. You got you got guys that are that, that worked at Boeing before it was called Boeing. You know, uh, some higher higher end guys that care about what happens to these Marines, and it's it's exceptional. So it's the focus. Yeah. It's the Focus Marines Foundation, right? Yeah. So, so how, have the, uh, how do you apply to that? So if we have Marines or corpsmen or any other service members that would like to to try to apply, how would they go about doing so? Um, let's see. I think I have a, I mean, I can give you the contact information for the program director, program, um, coordinator. Yeah. And you can post it or whatever, and then they can email her. Okay. Did you get that through your, uh, the nurse from the Semper Fi Fund? Yeah. So she had actually attended it as well. Semper Fi Fund has a nurse staffed there. Uh, so they have a class, they have a week long class, seminar, whatever. You go out on this ranch in Missouri from a Saturday to a Saturday and without giving too much away of the process, you know, uh, but they do have a super five fun nurse that's there all the time. So they do it once, they meet once a quarter. Uh, and it's one of the best programs that I've ever had, had the ability to go to the best, actually all your mentors are, they're all Marines. All the volunteers that are there are Marines. Um, they have people come in that cook, cook dinner for you and stuff. They're either Marines or they're silver star mom, uh, excuse me, uh, yellow star moms who've lost a marine in combat or, or, or lost a child to suicide uh, in lieu of the Marine Corps with their time in it. So um, they just like to give back to us. Like we're their, you know, they care about us. They love us. Yeah, it, so it's pretty awesome. It's a good I, deal. I talked to you um, quite a bit while you were there and just seeing your reaction um, to the way things were going for you there really kind of opened my eyes. I was like, damn, like that actually sounds like a pretty fucking awesome program because everything else that we have around here, like the VA and shit, like it was well, just that it's just, it's just fucking shit. 
you know. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, they really, they really like, kind of hone in and harness that a spirit of core, you know, for the Marine Corps. And and and, and if you can, if you weren't a Marine and, and you do get accepted to go there, like, do your best. Just like, don't put it out of your mind. Don't resist it. Kind of like draw into it. There's a reason why Marines, you know, like we're always faithful. There's a reason why that that you know, they are what they are. There's a reason and, we're and cocky says, and assholes. And that's part of it. Like it's it's the esprit de corps right, and the brotherhood. It's but it's a it's a you know it's very traditional wise. So we did we did colors. You know we did everything. It was like, you know, kind of being, being back in the swing of things, and it was nice. That's cool. And, and you're there with with other the guys that were in the same AO as you were. We all fought the same war. You know, we were either yeah. lejeunes, we were first marines, or third marines, or, you that's know, awesome. I met a lot of good dudes, a lot of a lot of, solid pipe hitting dudes like uh, old grunts and stuff that, you know, like. Just exceptional men and women that, and then they come back. Some of them come back and they're mentors, you know. And your mentorship doesn't stop when you when you leave once a quarter. Like you got to check up on. They, they they have like refocus programs and buddy checks. They check up on each other. They make sure they follow through. That's awesome. Like they do what they say they're gonna do. That's, they do what you wish the VA would. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what we always preach here. Reach out and touch someone. You know, talk to somebody that you serve with. Talk to somebody that's been through the same shit as you. And it's hard to do because you know we're all busy as fuck and you don't think about it all the time. But something like that, well, the fact that they are yeah. doing that is a, that's a big thing, man. That's a big deal. That's awesome. But most importantly, helps beat each other you have off. A structure port. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, one of the one of the guys he, he was speaking a, of that a graduate. He was a graduate mentor. And he's a quadruple amp. He was oh, so you had two squad leader. He was a squad leader with two two, and you know he and I got pretty close. And I just asked him. I said, "Hey, man, you're like, do you ever, you know, like when was the last time?" And he was like, "It's been like twelve fucking years, doc." Like, I go, "Well, I commit to once a year, meeting up with you and helping you out." You know, it's the least I can do. Thank you for your service. <laughs> that right there. You know. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to a true American hero right now. You're hearing it here. Uh, you heard it here first. You know, and, and one of the, and one of the oh, coolest things Lordy. you see is, like, you know, especially, I won't say his name, but, you know, he was a squad leader with 2-2. He was a pipe hitter, man. He was a grunt squad. He's a Marine's Marine. And... That dude has done some shit to humans, but he has gotten out and he's embraced his his trauma and he, he became a um, uh, this other guy became a like a yoga instructor like the Himalayan Institute like he believes in what he's doing he's repurposed himself and now he's he comes there and he teaches the yoga to the vets and it's it's all round robin thing man you know you do stuff with horses you do have your rec time you do other stuff but a lot of it's classroom time and you have a stacked group of, of mentors and people who really want to be there they believe in what they're doing it's fucking awesome you know. And they embrace uh, – when I say we embrace tradition and culture, you've got Navajo Marines, you know, that are there as mentors. The Marine Corps sends their reservist disc guys, the wounded warrior guys, advisors to that class. You know, you get you financial stuff. You get networking things. and uh, A lot of good guest speakers and people coming in that, that really impact and make a difference. And they do all this stuff for free because they care about us. They are, they are the light in the world. They are the good people that you hear about, but you, you just can't ever find because there's so few of them. But they right. all they, they come there. It's, it's, not, it's great. And everybody cares about what they're doing there. It's a so so. Did you, how did you get there? Did they fly you out there? Did, did you, they, they paid yeah, for your – They paid for my flight. Yeah. So that's awesome. 
Because they have a vetting process. They do have a vetting process. You do have to meet a certain criteria. Right. Um, to go. But don't be afraid to apply. Don't ever be afraid to apply. Like, my class that I, that I went with was a small class. There's only 16 of us, so it's usually like 30 or 40. Um, so, you know, there's definitely spots open. You know, my end goal is to, to eventually return there as a, as a mentor sooner than later. I just I really believe in what they do there, and I, I feel like that, uh, you know, we have an obligation if we have a handle on our stuff to come back and then help each other. Yeah, fuck yeah. That's awesome, man. You know, it, everybody leans like if you're a Marine, you, 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 you always lean on Doc. And it's only fitting that I go back and give back and continue to do what I can. And you never stop being a Doc. You know, once a Marine, always a Marine. Well, my shit didn't quit either. Yeah. Right. So. Which is just fantastic that you have that dedication to it. And you want to keep Look, man, you know, a lot, there's a lot of corpsmen that give me shit for this, and there's a lot of guys that do understand it too. And it's this, you know, I joined the Navy because the Marine Corps told me no, but I still ended up with Marine units. You know, like I did all this the same shit, and I'm glad I became a corpsman because I got to do it on a broad spectrum. I didn't get, I didn't get stuck in an air wing unit. I didn't get stuck with just a ground unit. I didn't get stuck with just, you know, this, that, and the other, or some shitty job. I bounced around inside the ground combat illness, 2nd Marine Division, so I got to do a little bit of everything, you know, and I wouldn't trade that shit for anything. It's really funny to me that you, you know, say that you, you tried to get in the Marine Corps, and but you ended up joining the Navy because I, they like... They wouldn't let me join because I had a GED. I always forgot that you were in the fucking Navy and not a Marine. Because there was like, well, I mean, the, I wear this, the, I, there was no I wear a Marine uniform every day. Yeah, and there, well, then there's no difference, like, because you were you wore the the uniform and then you went to work with Marines every day. You deployed with fucking Marines every time, like. Yeah, I I was in the same truck he was, you know. I went condition one same time he did. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, I I you know they could say, oh, well, I'm a Marine and you're just a corpsman. Okay, well we're standing two feet <coughs> from each other and the bullets are coming at right out of both of us, so. You want to jerk? You want me to jerk you off later or right now? Cause I shot expert and you shot a pizza box. So get the fuck out of my face! I don't think any any marines ever dealt with anything or been in any kind of shit would ever say that you're just a corpsman. That's that's not a thing. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. No, like I'm I'm actually just, I'm like I'm like hundred percent positive. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not a thing. Well, like, you get some if, that that get their they get the self righteousness about them, and, and sometimes it's, it's it's they're just haters, you know. If they're un, they're unhappy with their particular job, and that's that's another thing about a corpsman, man. I mean, I went and got my FMF pin. I was a fleet Marine Corps warfare specialist. I knew everything there was to know about the ground combat element of the Marine Corps. I knew more Marine Corps history than most Marines did. Like, I knew more about Marine Corps administration than most Marines did. I could break down a division all the way down to a fire team. You know, so like that was what I learned, and it was it's important. It's important to the structure of everything and how things run. Um, yeah, it's but, important to understand. Oh, for sure. What well, that's that's that assimilation process of the, in the Marine Corps. Marines see that you have your FMF pin. You don't. You don't get second guessed. You don't get questioned. They know you know your shit. And and that's 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 the way it was. I remember the first time. I think it was, was it Camp Johnson that we went to, and you showed me your. Uh, the the oh we're we're corpsmen go to FMTB yeah the course you have to go through yeah. it and I was like Jesus Christ all right fucking hey dude and like oh yeah so like when we do our little form of the crucible it's like we're carrying a two hundred pound dummy through the swamp 
like literally like under fucking water party rounds yeah. yeah doing all kind of crazy shit like like you take MCT SOI and a little bit of boot camp and they just throw it all together yeah and I went through in July at Camp Johnson right outside of Camp Lejeune and you know what I mean all that stagnant we ass water we were out in the woods doing land nav we were out in the woods doing land nav and they were doing uh, these little I don't know the the Hueys and the Cobras were running from New River um, doing their little patrol patterns, you know, their mock little patrol patterns, getting their hours in. And they were seeing, it was so hot, there were people passing out during land nav in the woods in Carolina. Oddly like, doesn't surprise me. It was me. wild, man. It was so wild. And, like, they almost cut our field, field time short. Like, we're dragging classmates underneath this bridge, dipping them in the water while they're coming up with the Humvees full of, full of these big coolers full of ice. And you know the, the burrito method where they take the, the sheets, duck them in water, and then put them in the ice? Yeah. Right. Yeah, popping those sheets out, rolling people in them, taking their clothes off. When I worked at SOI, I was a corpsman at SOI for a while, my, one of my last gigs. And, boy, I was handing out silver bullets left and right, left and right. And I was a senior line corpsman. I was in charge of all the other corpsmen in that company. I had to report to the, the company commander and, you know, like – it was a different world. I mean, it was a lot of paperwork. I hated that shit. But I had to be at every live fire range, every night fire range, every ordnance range. For those of you who, who don't know what a silver bullet is, it's this big silver thermometer that they shove in your ass to get your it's core body temperature. A Coors, it's basically a Coors light can that they shove in your butt. Yeah, so if you, if you, I got, if you pass out in a training, uh, training mission or whatever, then they're going to shove this thing in your ass and... I had a buddy that would pass out every single time we went out, whether it was hot, cold, in between, like shit. He passed out fucking three or four times. I have a really, I have a really raunchy, really, really raunchy story that I'll tell you offline. That was just that, me, that actually. That was, I just really. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, and, and by buddy, I mean like you know, it was, it was just it was me. <laughs> no, this was a this happened with a female marine that I got um, asked to come over and look at. But well, I'll tell you offline. God. It's it's way too. Oh, it's like yeah, you don't want you don't want to, yeah. We'll have to we'll have to do it when we're not recording, but good stuff That's, though. I got a good yeah, but, feeling you know, of where this is going. Back to the mental health stuff. I, I, you know, I had to take it seriously. I had to put myself first. You had to be a little selfish when all those voices and all those people in your life. And that's another thing: the people in your life. If you take account of how many times you're there for a person, but you can't count on one hand how many times that person's been there for you. Deep six those motherfuckers. Get them out of your life. Yep. They're toxic. They're using you. They're, they're taking what you need to supplement yourself. Well, and it's not being selfish either. Do, you got not, but it's not. It, you got to take care of yourself. You're, you're, yeah. Natural selection, man. You're either going to win or you're not. You have to take care of yourself. And, and bottom line, you know, you had to get a bunch of people out of your life, and then you can start working on yourself. You got you to gotta drop some stuff out of your pack, you know. And when you lighten the load, you'll start to understand. Like you be a little more optimistic. You start being a little more trusting. Um, you start seeing the you know the world in a better light, more positive. And you just keep going on. You always got you know. I think veterans talk talk shit to themselves. Oh, I didn't do enough, or I'm not good enough, or I can't do this. This is hard. And you just well, you know, you revert back to this person you used to be. And for a lot of us, that was 10, 12 years ago. You know, like life has gone on. We blinked and it was over, and now we feel bad about it. We miss it, but you know we beat ourselves up so much. I think we do more damage to ourselves. Yeah, definitely. You, know, you, had, you uh, could 100% think with your subconscious. 
you're, you're emotionally charged when you think with your subconscious, but when you use your logical brain and you break things down for yourself and you, 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 you push past the anxiety and everything you got going on, you actually think about what the actual issue is and solution, and you take it one at a time, your life becomes drastically easier. You, 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 have, to, you have to take all the trash out of it first, and, and that definitely helps. And I know a lot of people are, are, are they're real resistant to change, but this isn't, this isn't a bad change. You're not, stop hoarding all these crappy people and all this toxic shit in your life. Get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Let go of it. I promise you, you'll be lighter and you'll be happier. And then you can actually work on yourself. And, and for a lot of us, it's been a long time since we've, we've grown because we've let our, our traumas hold us back as like an anchor. You know, we're not growing as people. And if I could push that out to anybody, that's what I would say. And, and, and you, can, you can not have gone to combat. You can have a different experience or not have been in the military at all. But at the same time, like, stuff from your childhood, it's the combat, all these things. Trauma is not different than any other trauma. Trauma is trauma, and it layers itself. And once you've had multiple incidences of trauma, there's no way to go through and, okay, today we're going to talk about this, and we're going to solve this problem. No, you've got to start. You read a book from left to right, you know. You gotta take it as it goes, and then you, you you pluck at it that way. You know what are the things that are actually <coughs> bothering you? What is the first thing that comes to your mind that's a big issue for you? Let's work on that. Let's talk about that. Let's take care of that, and then the next one, and then the next one. You know. Yeah, we've actually so talked, talked about that a lot. Pants on one leg at a time. I was gonna say we've talked about a lot. Where we've tra- tried trauma to talk is about trauma, that a lot. you know. Well, I had to get over myself after a long time because I'm sitting here thinking. You know, all the Marines that died under my charge, or was I not good enough? Did I not do enough? Like, uh, you know, and then the people that you couldn't save or the people you didn't get to work on or you got to go home and this other guy didn't, and, and you, you deal with this guilt that you got to come home. Well, why do you value, why do you, why do you cheapen your life? You have to hold value yourself. You have to tell yourself, I'm deserving, I'm worthy. I deserve to have good things. I deserve to be happy. I am worth it. Like, you have to positively reinforce yourself every day. Because at the same time, as buddy checks and all this crap are real good, you can't live on that. You can't live. Mark Twain said, you know, he could live off two compliments a year. Well, we're, he was not an average man. I can't. I need that reinforcement because I'm, I'm, I'm broken. You know, we need that constant reminder. But sometimes you have to just tell yourself that all the time. You have to be that voice in your head. You What's your thought you process look like for that? Um, so if I start getting down on myself or whatever or start kind of backtracking in my mindset, <clears throat> and granted, you know, I've got some depression issues. I've got some anxiety issues. I still get a severe case of uh, adult ADHD. And it, so a lot of those things, like those neuro, those neuro deficits, those neurodivergent issues, um, and, you know, not to mention all the programming from, from our childhood, from – our adolescent years and the Marine Corps and then all this this, this false rhetoric, rhetoric of social etiquette, you know, so to speak. Um, they play a big part in how you view yourself, how you view the world, and then externally how the world views you. And you either care or you don't. You get this split thinking, this black and white thinking about life where it's either far left or it's far right. Uh, it either is or it isn't. You either love me or you don't. I either have to like you or hate you. And that's the, there leaves no room for gray area, and we're human beings. You know, that's just not how it works, and we, we, we forget that. So my thought process on it is it's, I try to keep it fairly simple because I try to keep myself fairly simple because that's the only way I can grab a hold of all of it at one time. 
if I just keep it as small as possible, it's, it's this, you know. Um, I positively reinforce myself. If I feel like I'm getting into a place and I need accountability for my thoughts, I will call somebody that I know will take the time, and it'll be one of my Marines from Focus. Because we had committed ourselves when, before we left that anytime anybody calls, we stop what the hell we're doing short of flying an airplane or, or you know what I mean? Right. Like holding something fragile, and you, you pick that phone up, no matter what it is. You make sure that Marine's okay first or that Corman's okay first. Which that's, is just that's, fantastic. I mean. That takes precedence over everything, and we all committed to do that, and we do that. And it, it is – it has come out for us in the long run. So if I get in that place, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have enough respect for myself to say I can't handle this problem alone. And then I call somebody, you know. And you can't trick yourself into saying, oh, I'm a burden. I don't want to bother him with my petty shit. Right. Well, it's not petty to you. It's subjective to you. So, you know, what, what weighs more, a pound of lead or a pound of feathers? Both pounds. It's the same thing. Doesn't it's just matter. different. It's different for you. It's subjective to you. It is significant to you alone because you're different. Right. And, you know, uh, I answer the phone no matter how big or small the issue is. Yeah, Sometimes the uh, issues are bigger than me, and I have to – I'll call a mentor or I'll call the program coordinator, and I'll say, hey, this is what we got. You need to set them up with somebody. You need to have somebody go to their house because before we do a police welfare check – we're going to send one of our own people there to check on them first because we know, unfortunately, what happens when you've got a, a altered mental state veteran, especially a combat veteran, and you send the freaking police to their house. Yep. Right. It doesn't ever end well for us. And I'm not knocking cops. There's a lot of good cops out there, but there's also a lot of them that, that want to hurt somebody. They want the confrontation. I feel like yeah. they've got they've got something they can they have to prove or they have to check the next box off. You know, one of the best cops I've ever met in my life. He told me he said the greatest feeling in the world is coming home and not having fired your weapon. Yeah, you know, that's like, the point. Should be not having arrested anybody, but have, you know, not having had had to do something that just dicks somebody's day up or that I have to carry right. with me. We know about carrying shit. They're no different. When they go and seek that, that's another thing. I've, I've been, dude. When I get pulled over, I call. I pull at least three cars, at least. This is actually a great time to step in, like you said, and it's something that we try to emphasize on the podcast. If you guys need anything, reach out to us. Uh, I've said it on the podcast before, and I'll say it again. If you guys need to get a hold of me, my number is three zero eight five three zero two four one zero. Text me. Give me a shout. Uh, we're here to look out for each other. And that's something that needs to be done more often. So, uh, like fucking Doc said, you know, we sit here, we got to take care of each other. And uh, self-care isn't always just trying to fucking take care of yourself by by yourself. A lot of the times it's reaching out to people that are going to care and listen. Yeah, I mean, you already know what your issue is. You already know how you feel. But you can't get away from yourself. You can't get out of your own freaking way. Processor makes sense. That's why when I said what I said about stop thinking with this emotionally charged subconscious. Use your logical brain. If, if you know you struggle with issues of paranoia or anxiety, do not let that 
do not chase them rabbits. Don't chase them rabbits down them holes where it's like, you know, this person is this, or this these people think this way about me, or, or you're missing so much perspective and context that you don't really fully understand. Get in your logical mind. Look at it this way. Fact meaning. Here's the problem. Here's how I got here. Now, what are my solutions on getting out? I don't know the answer to this. All right, I'm going to seek help. I'm going to use my resources. Yeah. Unfortunately, the VA is just not a good one. Right. You yep. know, if you want to get some blood work done, if you want to go get an image done, you want to do this, that's fine. You know, I, I had to make the personal choice to leave the VA mental health uh, house of things. And, and I'm having you, I got medically retired, so I have TRICARE still. And I'm still going to have to pay out of pocket to go private, but that's what I need. I need someone right. that's not going to leave, a therapist that's <clears> not going to, I'm not going to get eight sessions in. And then they're going to be like, oh, I'm moving, or they're moving. You know, I graduated college, and now I'm I'm leaving you. Right. So you have to start over with somebody else. I've done that eight times, man. See, that's, why, that's actually why we started this podcast and why we have our Facebook page and everything is for people that don't have an avenue of approach to even begin to start. Like, they, that way they know where to go with their issues or how to get help. You know, that's that's our, our yeah. whole purpose here, really. And it's not just for veterans or, or military members, like we've said before. Like, yeah, it's what we know. That's who we are. And obviously, like, fire, EMS, police, nurses. Sure. You know, doctors, I mean, people that, that have to deal with that on the daily. But we still do with, like, just death, regular. trauma. Just regular. Bad shit. Well, that just regular civilian people, too. Because, like you said earlier, trauma is trauma. It doesn't really... You don't have you don't have to have been in combat or have done this things like you know childhood trauma or you know we've mentioned before on the podcast like car wrecks is a good example. A PTSD is not exclusive to combat. Yeah, no. Or PTS, whatever they're calling it now. I mean, it, it, either way, it, it, anytime something traumatic happens, you you are post that traumatic like experience. Incident. Yeah, and you have to you have to try to navigate how you really feel about it, and sometimes that is the hardest thing to do. How do I really feel about it? Yeah, because you you set all these walls up, these, these, this guarding. You, you don't want to admit that or accept that this is an issue, or that you're changed, or that you're different now, and that's hard. And 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 I'll be the first one to tell you. And a lot of grunts, a lot of Marine grunts, and I can't speak for anybody else, but a lot of infantrymen, O311s have, have have shared this same experience with me when I bring it up. And it's that there are certain attributes to PTSD and hypervigilance that I don't want to let go of. Yeah, no, I'm I actually yeah. said that too. They keep yeah. me on edge. They make me different than you. I'm not the average man, but that's what makes me not. That's that's. I feel like that's your superpower. I've that's said that too, to and see I get and do. But how much time do you spend with your back to the corner, watching all the exits and nothing ever happening? How much of your life do you spend being fucking miserable because you have to fucking worry about every noise that you hear? You can't enjoy yourself. You know, you can't drink and still have a good fucking time. It's always got to be this fucking pity party at the end of it, or or, or what have you. you. You don't enjoy your life, and you can't control that. Yeah, I just have to you, laugh you know, that you said that because that I've, came, I've been huge on that, man. Yeah. But at the same time, I I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that, like, you know, none of my fucking neighbors can transition from a rifle to a pistol and fucking speed reload. Well, and there right. there again you know? comes back to this show and what it is. We're forever broken, right? We want to be never broken, and we want to let people know that you aren't ever really broken. Uh, but what we're doing with the forever broken thing is we're just embracing the fact that 
we have shit because of our traumas and because of the shit we've done that make us unique and make us different and they make us ourselves. So as opposed right. to backing away from people calling us broken, let, let's just take it on. Let's take the bull by the horns well, that's, and, that's and let's embrace that yeah. shit. You know what? Like it's, it's a fucking stupid label and let's just fucking own it. Like who gives a shit? So I had the pleasure. I'm glad you said that. Cause I had the pleasure of meeting, sitting down with and in hearing the story of, uh, one of the last surviving members of the Battle of Chosen Reservoir. That's crazy. That's badass. And Frozen Chosen. And you're talking uh, a battle where there was 5,000, 6,000 Marines that went up against 120,000 Chinese, communist Chinese troops. And they killed 60,000 of them in negative 40-degree weather. They didn't have the proper gear. They, didn't, they ran out of ammunition. You want to talk about overcoming the odds? Now he's telling me the stories of the... Corpsmen are throwing bodies, stuffed, frozen bodies of these Marines in by the truckload. They didn't have the proper like, warming layers. Like they didn't, they weren't no. even. No, they ran. They could. They were starving to death as well because their sea rations froze. Yeah, they didn't have the proper anything. They flew over and dropped them Tootsie Rolls. That was actually the code word for they needed more ammo, so they got the radio. It was a clear nine. They got the radio up, and they sent out that message. And the Army, in all its wisdom, thought they actually meant Tootsie Rolls and dropped them Tootsie Rolls. That's fantastic. And when I got to meet, when yeah, I got to meet, awesome. um, when I got to meet this Marine, one of the first things he handed me was a Tootsie Roll. That's fucking <laughs> awesome. One of these Tootsie Rolls with the American flag on them. And he was like, we weren't mad. He said, he said, we weren't, at first we were pissed. He goes, and then we were like, oh, we're hungry. And if I hold this close enough to my body, it's chocolate. It won't, it won't freeze. I can keep it at least, you know, rock hard. That's Not fantastic. fucking like I'm trying yeah. to tear up a piece of steel piping. Yeah, it's so, funny, bro. You know, it, but one of the most profound things he told me, he said, I came home and I knew there was something wrong with me. And I sat at the VA and I talked to these doctors, he's talked to these doctors, talked to these doctors, and I talked to these doctors. And he said, one, one psychologist got real with me and he told, he, he, he just, he laid it out for me. And he said, he goes, man, you're, you're, there's no cure for this, what you have. And you're going to have it forever. The best thing you can do for yourself is to find something to do. Keep busy. Keep talking to people. Keep working on yourself. That's all you can do. Find something to do. And just like it says in the Bible, if you ever have a, if you ever have a question about what you should do next or, or where to go, look for the helpers. And we're all servants at one point in time. We all, you know, s- provided something either for the Marine Corps, for the world, or for whatever country we were in at the time. We're and all servants, we're all purpose- period. We're all purposely driven in that, in that faction. You know, TJ, that's why you went and continued your service. That's why you went and worked for the government. We all need that structure when we strive for that purpose. We're, 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 you know, we're Marines, we're soldiers, we're, 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 we're this mindset of we need a mission. Yeah. And if you don't have one, you're, you're, it's like, you know, you've heard numerous people say, Steve Harvey, Denzel Washington, hey, when you're doing something, you, you know when the devil leaves you alone because you're doing something wrong. 
Like, figure your figure out what it is that you want to do and how you're going to make your impact, what your next mission is going to be. Find your purpose. But don't get overwhelmed. Don't try to take too much on at one time. Don't try to do too much because you're going you're gonna to find yourself right back to where you were or even further back. Don't get overwhelmed. Take it one thing at a time. Take it a day at a time. You know, I, I watched a podcast the other day, and the guy was saying the importance of just saying, I'm going to give it one more day. I'm not going to quit on my business. I'm going to give it one more day. I'm not going to kill myself. I'll, I'll give it one more day. I'm, I'm not going to do I'm going to give it one more day. And you continue to give it one more day. And you continue to give it one more day. And you continue to give it one more day. You keep pushing out one more day. One more rep. One more push-up. Whatever the fuck it is. Motivate yourself. Hold yourself in, in enough high esteem. And, and like I said, you've got to tell yourself you deserve this. I'm worthy of it. But nothing good in life will come easy to you. It's just not going to happen. You know, it's just not. And that, that, that applies exponentially for us in the civilian world because we're living in a society that we don't agree with, we don't understand, and we feel ostracized in every fucking day. Yeah, and they don't understand us as well. But that's not for you to worry about. Like, you just still got to pick up your pack and fucking keep going. Yep. You know, the fact that they don't understand you is, it sucks. Yeah, that's their that problem. They, that I went and did this shit on your behalf, but I'll be the first one to tell you, you know, people are all, thank you for your service. And in my mind, I'm thinking, do you think when I was over there, I was worried about little Susie and everybody else back home on the planes? Fuck no. I could give a shit less. I was worried the guy to the left of me and the guy to the right to me. Democracy was out the window. I didn't care about that. I cared about my job, my Marines. And that's, that's that. I, I've kept my focus. I'm a simple fucking man. I'm a, I'm a heat-seeking missile man. Put me on a target and I got it. So I think we make we're, this we're, a section. Yeah. Where we have uh, fucking Doc Medley's fucking motivational minute. Oh, oh, oh! Good to go, Marines. Oh, good to go, Marines. Oh, yeah. So to piggyback on what Gunny said, man, I think this is what we do. So every show we get we get just a minute of Doc Medley's fucking minutes of motivation. I like it. Yeah, I think we should uh, implement that. So congratulations, Doc. You are now part of the show. <laughs> you Jesus are Christ, permanent. I talked myself into responsibility. You are permanent part of the show now. Uh, but no, let's uh, get, you know, we're, we've hit our hour mark. We're uh, kind of moving towards that. Let's get uh, Doc Medley's minute of motivation real quick. All right, well, my minute of motivation. I mean, I've already given sh- you given us so like many, a, you so given us like knowledge. sixty minutes of fucking motivation already, <laughs> but let's get one more minute of motivation. Uh, 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 good to go, Roger that, Marines. Uh, good to go. So, good to go. Uh, like I said, uh, to piggyback on what Gunny said, um, no man, it, it's it's task and purpose, guys. It, it, what you feed will live, and what you starve will die. You know that old uh, you know Native American. Uh, fable about the two wolves you know you feed one the good wolf or the evil wolf what you feed lives what you starve will die feed yourself talk good about yourself i don't get i don't give a fuck if you think you sound crazy if you're out in the garden or you're going to the mailbox just give yourself a compliment or be like you know what i i can do this or i will do this and just you got to give yourself your daily boost spending good time with yourself meditating doing it whatever it is prayer meditation like Come on, we're we're all at that age now, but we gotta feed we gotta feed the thing inside of us, and it, it, we can't just drink on it all the time. Um, but what I say is, you know, keep busy, find something to do, 
All right. If work's not your thing, find a hobby. Go volunteer. Give your time. Be a servant. You enjoy it. You already know you do. Do something to, to better yourself and to better the world, but always go to bed with a plan to better to have to have a better tomorrow than you had a, uh, than you're good today. You know, so uh, that's what I would say. It just always have a plan to do something better. Yeah, I love and that. And that's that's you know I have to remind myself of that shit sometimes. Nobody's perfect, man. Nobody is, and, and you're not gonna be. And don't ever think that because either if you're in a position of authority or or even in a position of of mentorship or sponsorship or whatever it is that you can't. This isn't the this isn't Marine Corps. This isn't the Army. This isn't. But there's there's the fraternization things out the window, you know. Don't worry about going up or or, or down. Don't worry about if this person, you know, if you think that they might not be able to relate, give them a chance to to help you. If you especially if you've done something for them, you got to lean on each other, and that's a left and right thing. You know, it's not. It doesn't just go up. You know, this isn't chief. This isn't gunny. We don't have to be behind the scenes holding everything together while nobody takes care of us. Right. Don't ever be afraid to go to one of your juniors and be like, "Man, I'm just having a shitty day." That that guy wants to hear from you. He wants you to connect with him. He wants to know that he's not the only guy. Because if you show him that you're a human being and that you could be vulnerable, like people are gonna start saying, "Oh, well, maybe I shouldn't kick my own ass so much. This is normal. This is what happens." I'm not alone. I love that. All right, cool. That being said, that was a great minute of motivation for me. Uh, I'll kick it off here with what I've learned today, and I love what I learned from today's episode was absolutely the, uh, you know, feed the good and starve the the bad. I think that's a great fucking lesson to take from everything with this episode. And I just, I love that. I mean, that's probably one of the best things I've heard in a very fucking long time. Um, so that, that that's what I took from today's episode. <clears throat> TJ, I'll let you fucking take it from here. And I'll let you wrap up this whole shindig, my friend. All right. Well, I got a couple of things. Uh, for one, and I've said this before, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what uh, Derek and Doc have both already said. You know, if, you, if you're always looking in the dark, you're constantly looking in the dark, you're going to find shit that lives in the dark. You know, you're, you're going to, that's why you got you to look in the light. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't be negative because if you're always negative, you're always, only going to have negative repercussions from that. So you have to be positive. For another, you have to be your own cheerleader. You know what I'm saying? Like, be your own fucking cheerleader. Like, tell yourself that you're doing a fucking great job. And, you know, like, fuck, I'd like, like Doc was saying, if you, even if you're in the garden, man, I fucking nailed it. I planted the shit out of those seeds. You know what I'm saying? And, um, again, just reach out and touch somebody. Text or call somebody you haven't heard from in a long time or somebody you served with or somebody that might be going through some shit or somebody you haven't that that you think that uh they they're putting some weird shit on facebook like they're it's always like dark and sad or you know sad songs or whatever just hit them up be like hey man like you doing all right it's little things little things like that that's yeah. going to make the difference yeah and i mean like to piggyback on what you said you know somebody told me not long ago that it's okay to look back at the past but don't get caught staring at it. 
Yep. So, That's awesome. Once you fixate on it, you're going to be done. So. Yep, that's it, man. Uh, that being said, hit us up on social medias. Uh, hit us up with what you guys want to hear more from us on the podcast. Uh, we'll be doing Yeah, don't be afraid surveys. to hit me up, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, hit up Doc. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good for a lot of things. You know, call me whenever, but don't call me late for dinner and you know, always remember, you know, wear your seatbelt, drink milk, don't run with scissors. Unless you want and to. You let them know. Lima 3-3 is going to be here till about 4 o'clock, so if they want to come play, they can go get some. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's fucking great. Now, that being said, thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Uh, please hit us up. Uh, go to the Facebook page. If you're not a part of it yet, we are Never Broken Society of Misfits on Facebook. Uh, we'll post stuff on there, get your input, uh, or leave us a five-star review uh, or a one-star review, whatever, and just leave us your input and tell us what we can work on, and we'll keep working on it, and that's what we're here for. Uh, take your input and build off what you guys want. So I much appreciate you guys and love you guys, and we'll talk to you here next time. Chica, chica.